Hello and welcome everybody to SF Live, an in-studio episode. I'm here in Vancouver and I'm joined by Joe Mazumdar, friend, publisher, editor of the Exploration Insights newsletter. I'm a subscriber. One of my favorite newsletters. I have to admit, <laughs> very technical sometimes, but still amazing insights. Yes. Thank so. you very much. Uh, we appreciate our subscribers and uh, thanks for the invitation. No, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. It's the second time we're doing this. I have a bit of a deja vu moment because we recorded an interview about six weeks ago and we were muted. Yeah. So that's why. Bit well, of a deja vu moment. I know a lot of people that would like to mute me. So uh, <laughs> you got the chance. <laughs> no. And I did it. I, I used it. Not wisely, but I used it. So no, thanks for coming in. It's great to see you again. And you no just worries. came back from Denver, um, Colorado, actually. And uh, it's been super busy out here out at the conference. Yes. It, it was like compared to last year where we still had some COVID restrictions and people uh, were uh, you know, not willing to travel. Uh, this, this year, definitely, there was that pent up angst to travel and uh, meet people again and uh, make connections. Um, yeah. And then we had, you know, some institutional equity. Uh, but as the presentations pointed out, uh, you know, and something we pointed out five years before, there's less funds going inst into institutional equity. Um, so there were less of those, but a lot of family offices. So the family offices not giving money to the institutional equity and creating their own sort of thing. A lot of corporate uh, activity as well. Uh, and, and then also the royalty companies that are also sitting on a lot of cash that are looking uh, for new, uh, new royalties. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it's one of the themes I've seen or one of our guests mentioned on the program as well. People are more active investing again instead of passive. You know, maybe not buying as much GDX, GDXJ, more buying the single single stock, more stock picker market. Yeah, well, I, I would say that, you know, um, definitely maybe for the retail, but, uh, you know, according to a graphic that uh, U.S. Global put out and, you know, the data we had almost five years ago, most of the money had been going to passive uh, because really uh, somebody to beat the passive, uh, there wasn't a high probability that they could on a <laughs> consistent basis, and it's not worth the fees. Uh, so um, uh, institutional equity probably has less money for the precious metal uh, sector. But what I see is a lot more funds developing new funds, which are more related to critical mineral where there's more money to be put to. Well, you got to play the market, right? So yeah, <laughs> is what yeah. the market wants is G themes and critical minerals. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And and so right now, precious metals are taking a step back because, you know, the Fed keeps raising rates uh, and, uh, you know, people look for the long term and real rates rising and gold not being the place they want to be right now. One of my biggest beef with passive investing is that there's money not directly flowing into the companies. Yeah, absolutely. That is my biggest beef with it. Well, that's the that is the beef uh, because uh, you know, a, a, and then when they want to raise money, there's less money that they can uh, they can get from institutional equity. But the, the problem is, like when you go to the other source, which would be retail, retail as well has left the building. So retail has left almost everything, but you know, particularly resource funds, particularly the uh, precious metal sector. So that's another source that they can't get. And so that's probably why it's such a good environment for one private equity and two royalty companies that are sitting on a lot of cash. Anybody sitting on a lot of cash, uh, this would be the time to reap. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, what was the mood at the conference? Obviously, the markets are in complete disarray, for lack of a better term, and not trying to swear here. Yeah. But uh, like, what was the mood at the conference? Well, you know, probably disconnected a bit uh, between what was happening outside to what was happening inside, no. because, uh, you know, you're sort of talking into an echo chamber and people saying, hey, this is a great time to buy. That's probably the main theme is that, you know, things are really bad and everybody hates mm -hmm. our sector. So this should be the time to buy. Yeah. Actually, one of the questions that came, in, came to mind, like preparing for our conversation here is like, could the mining sector have done anything different in the last 12 to 24 months? 
to not be as beaten up right now because the investors completely left like there's no trust yeah, there's no. nothing like we can't fight inflation because we're not making inflation yeah, right a lot so of it's exogenous there's nothing yeah. you can do like uh, up to march it was actually quite buoyant you know gold was uh, heading to 2000 and that and people were raising a lot of money uh, that all collapsed you know we had uh, russia's invasion of ukraine we had china no covid uh, policy we had supply chain restrictions and such that inflation started really taking hold and went from transient to being long term and the fed was convinced that they were going to you know really pound it on the on the interest rate re, um, rises and and my research uh, you know sort of suggests that it doesn't matter what the absolute rate is it's really about direction so if people are at a negative rate and they're looking that it's gonna go positive, gold will go down even if it's negative. But even if it's positive, but people think it's gonna go negative, gold will go up. So it's really directionally where gold's gonna go. That sentiment is what drives you know, sentiment in the sector. And right now the sentiment in the sector is real rates are gonna rise. And it it's obvious, like gold dropped and we're recording this on uh, September 21st at uh, 11.24 a.m. PST. And yeah. I think 10 minutes ago, the Fed put out uh, their statement and of course they're raising by yes. 75 basis points and gold just dropped like a rock. But that should have already been embedded already in the market because the medium forecast was a 75 basis point risk. And so the, there was very you know, good probability that they would do that. The risk was that they might go to 100. Yeah. You know, and the upside was that they might go to 50. Uh, 75, I thought, would have been baked in the market. I, I think there was a comment. I, I haven't read the full release. I haven't had time. But I think there was a comment that 4.5% uh, is going to be target rate for 2023, which is uh, making the market nervous. Well, I, I would say like even more so or as as much as what the target rate is in terms of the interest rate, 4.5%. But also this is a long-term thing. So the thing is that the expectation like, hey, this is going to happen for like 6 to 12 months and then we're going to go yeah. back. We might not go back anytime soon. And so that's probably a bigger uh, weight on, on the sector. And uh, there's a good segue again back to Beaver Creek and the conference. Yeah. Like how, how much was that part of the discussion when you met with companies? Like how did that factor in like into, into uh, the conversation? Because like, uh, we always try to grasp for straws and looking for the light at the end of the tunnel. Like how do the companies or how do they define the, line, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, we never really talked about that. It was not like a taboo item, but we were all sort of sitting in the same, I don't know, uh, what's the bad, we already were in that echo chamber that we were there and everything was happening, so there's no point in discussing it because this was all happening outside and what can the sector do inside. And so definitely quality of the deposit and, and, and underlying M&A is what will turn the sector, but right now M&A has taken a step backwards, you know, such that we're not seeing a lot of consolidation uh, because consolidation usually happens uh, in anticipation of an increase in the gold price, not in anticipation of a decrease in the gold price. So unless uh, a company thinks that they're, uh, you know, the gold price is going to get up uh, or something is extremely undervalued, like you see Kinross, like they made that acquisition of Great Bear when the, the sentiment was very, uh, you know, much more positive. But now, talking to their great uh, bigger shareholder or one of their bigger shareholders, Elliott Management, and now they're talking about uh, buying their shares back. So they're now making a systematic approach to saying, you know, the most accretive thing I could do is buy my shares. No, they yeah. just announced a $300 million buyback program. Exactly. Wasn't it? Like yeah, but, but it's, yeah. it's 2023 and 2024. Yeah. And then the, the, the thing is that they're going to take, I think it was like, it's, it's a 
big chunk. It's like, I don't know, 70 to 80% of their free cash flow taking out, um, you know, any payments for debt on the financing activity to say, okay, I'm going to take that money and buy my shares back. You know, uh, so that puts an underpinning under under the, the share price. Sort of anybody knows that they're buyers. Yeah. You know, which which is good if you're going to buy a precious metal company, knowing that they buy their own shares as well. Yeah. It helps. It puts some support in, obviously. But so. you got to think that all that money going from free cash flow that's not going to development, that's not going to acquisition, that's not going to anything else. Or exploration. Right. Or so to well, expiration like to, to expiration would be coming out of their income statement, you know, up in the operating yeah. cash flow, and and uh, you know any investing in like let's say development projects would be coming out of the investing activity. But but then it's sort of like okay, you know, are you going to raise debt to buy something, you yeah. know, that sort of thing. You know, always brings us to the discussion value versus growth, right? Like, what do you want from a miner? I, I always want growth from a miner, in yeah. my opinion, not values like. Don't get me wrong, 5% dividend yield on a bare gold is not something to laugh at, right? Yeah. But is that something I'm chasing in buying a mining stock? I'd buy a Johnson & Johnson or a Nestle for that. Well, that's what the whole approach was behind the mega mergers were to compete with the Johnson & Johnsons yeah. for whatever reason and then uh, uh, appeal to uh, uh, the dividend shareholders. Say, hey, you know, we're a company just like everybody else. You know, we can maintain these dividends and we can lever them to gold so I can beat your the whole idea was to you know take the money away from the passive uh, equity ETFs and say, hey, I'll buy a Barrick or a Newmont because these uh, passive ETFs don't offer dividends. That was the whole idea. But be big enough that you can maintain that dividend. But for the intermediates and the smaller companies, definitely the institutional equity funds want them to use their cash flow for growth. But they're now, given the gold prices going up and the margins are shrinking, they're more tentative right now. Um, com coming back to Colorado, it's like um, usually like the fall conferences of precious metals, Denver Gold as well. There's usually something that comes out of these events, M&A, transaction. We've seen one large financing, uh, Marathon Gold uh, bought, doing the $150 million yeah. bought deal. But, but that was the only exciting headline I really saw this week. Well, one person told me like we were talking about, you know, um, you know, the lack of funds in the market, uh, you know, for for financing and, and stuff like that. And, and they were sort of uh, mentioned to me that 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 bot deal that Marathon did, when, you know, they were up against the, the corner there and, you know, it was really dilutive and their, you know, share price reaction, you know, basically uh, uh, reflected that, uh, that that sucked a lot of the money that was available for everybody else. So a lot of the people that are looking for fives and tens and stuff like that, this one sort of took it all out and they, because there wasn't there much to take. Yeah. You know, uh, so that was one thing where people were, if anybody was looking for money at the person mail summit, it wasn't going to happen anytime gone. soon. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. But uh, like any, any rumors, M&A rumors, like I'm not even sure who'd be at the top of the list right now, to be honest, for, for a takeout target. On the precious metal side, I, I would say like, uh, you know, one that's come up and coming would, you know, might be reunion gold. Okay. Uh, that's building up, uh, oh, you know, it looks like um, a, a decent uh, gold mineralization over a decent strike in, in, in Guyana. They're working with Barrick, right? Don't they have no, a joint venture? Barrick's gone out. Oh, that's so, dissolved? Okay, that was so the last So Barrick thing. was yeah. interested in one part of the project, and they weren't interested in this other part, and I'm going to get technical here. There, there, there's a zone of, uh, of an intrusive and another intrusive, I believe, and there's a little package of sediments, and in between that there's a shear zone, and that's where all the gold is. Uh, apparently, Barrick wasn't interested in that terrain, and so they focused more to the west. But this is all 100% reunion. Gotcha. And then GT, G2 Gold, I believe, another Guyana company, uh, is right to the north. So 
Well, that shear zone, which is which was an ample uh, strike, is basically gotcha. one of the things. The other one might be predictive uh, uh, discovery on the ASX in yeah. uh, in in Guinea, mm -hmm. but uh, they're still part of their most of their project is in that buffer zone around the uh, the, the wildlife mm -hmm. uh, 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 reserve and that. Uh, so there's a little bit uncertain there. They 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 don't think that um, that's an issue, but you know somebody might. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it's really what you're looking for is cut right down to the chase and look mm -hmm. for quality ounces that somebody would want to buy, knowing yeah. that in the current environment there might not be a lot of people that could buy it. Yeah, like uh, I, and, uh, one news that came out as well this week was Sabina is going ahead with building their uh, their mine up there in the north. Are they a takeout target as well? Like, because it doesn't look like the developers are high up on anybody's list right now. Well, um, the thing is that uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot more uh, uh, you know. Uh, I don't know, uh, attention to the explorers, and hopefully they can get them cheaper, but really the developers would be cheaper. <laughs> and they'd, uh, like Sabina, permitted and everything like that. Uh, the problem with, uh, you know, where Sabina is, is that logistically you would have to be very, um, I don't know, uh, you know, comfortable in working under those conditions, and not a lot of com companies are, and the fact that Agnico hasn't come in already because they're, I won't say stuck with Hope Bay, but they've, They've got that one and they've got their own Arctic operations. I don't know how much more exposure. And the problem where Sabina is is it's really quite far from uh, a port, you know, and, and, and logistically they have to build up a lot of inventory, a lot of working capital, and, uh, you know, and people got to get comfortable with that. Not everybody is comfortable with working in those conditions. No, no true. And I uh, just uh, listened to an interview with Bruce McLeod as well, and well, he said the ship just left harbor. That's the last one of the year. Yeah. And it was just mid-September. <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> right? when you're so. building, when you're building, if you don't get that ship in, then, you know, you could be delayed for another, you know, eight months to a year. Exactly. Because, uh, Until ice break up again. Like, Until you can't finish. Yeah. yeah. But it's always interesting. And I didn't go to the conference this year. So I really have massive FOMO, obviously. I felt like I missed out on something. But there's always like that one name or two names that always get circulated. It's like, oh, have you talked to X or have you heard about X? Is it, was there one company name that could mention Quite often, or well, I mean, without promoting, them, I was just curious because that's always happens that there's one name you hear more than once. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say Reunion Gold was mentioned a lot. I mean, Predictive was mentioned. Uh, I mean, definitely Snowline came up a lot uh, because of their drill intersections. That's a project I visited uh, about a month ago now. I think it was. <laughs> but um, you know, a great people. And and the thing is that when people are mentioning these names, uh, the the commonality there is really good, strong management teams doing the right thing. And uh, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, the, the, the speculations all around the geology, not around, oh, you know, the people or the jurisdiction or something like that. It's more about, hey, they're all doing the right thing. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that, the, you know, Snowline uh, definitely was one reunion and uh, predictive. There's probably a few more. Uh, like G-Mining was another mm -hmm. one I saw, which was a development project. But, but the twist here is that the confidence, people like Franco, La Mancha, you know, and a lot of major investors have in that team, which I think is justified because they have a long history of building with their G-mining services that built Fruta del Norte, that built Marion for Newmont, both projects on time and under budget or on budget. And now they're trying to do the same thing and apply their same skill set to their own company. Uh, with the uh, with the project in the the, the Tapajos TZ, I don't want to pronounce it because I think I'll screw it up. But um, down yeah. in Brazil, yeah. So. But you know, I did the math. Like I did the math, and I did it badly. I think in the letter. So I thought that you know, at at seventeen hundred, eighteen hundred, 
uh, the uh, the cost of capital was much higher at 15 to 17 percent, which is you know more typical of a stream on your main product, which is gold for them. But then I did the math again after talking to their VP corporate development. It's more like five or less. Uh, you know, so uh, they did a really good job of, uh, of capitalizing themselves at a low cost of capital, even in this market, such that overall, if you take their equity, you take their debt, you take the stream, which is a significant part of the overall package, you know, you could come up with like an eight to nine percent cost of capital for a company that's operating in a remote part of uh, Western Brazil. Interesting. Now, I'm, that's one I'm following closely as well. I'm, yeah. I'm having an eye on and they're, they're attending our conference probably can see it behind me. Don't you go to Mesa as well in November. So yeah, and, actually and a couple of the companies you mentioned. So Well, the confidence is in the people that they know what they're doing because they have a history of doing it. And so that's the sort of premium that uh, that you'd want in, in buying a precious metal stock now. You don't have to go for the person that doesn't know anything. You would want to go <laughs> for the person that knows a lot and they've got a lot of history of doing it. And it's definitely the case with GMI. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I've good, heard good things about their building team, or construction team as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, of course, you get to pick your own meetings, right? So you didn't get put in front of 25 companies randomly. So it's, no. a, it's a bit of a biased question, but uh, like the mood of the junior and the CEO is like, how depressed are they right now? You, and, and I think it's quite binary. It's like either you have cash or you don't have cash. Yeah, I'm not a psychologist, but um, most of the companies I met, I refined down to the ones I already own. And most of the ones I own have working capital. And I'm just looking at, okay, like, like, let's say Liberty, I met with them, but they're divesting their stuff in Turkey, as opposed to going to the markets to fund, uh, you know, their black pine uh, exploration activity. Uh, so a, a lot of people are sitting on cash. If anything, some of them that have raised a lot of money uh, are sort of coming back and saying, you know what, we're not going to do a lot of work here. We were thinking that we might have a, a drilling program here, but we're going to save it for this other project. So there, there is... Uh, uh, a notable uh, sense that hey we're not going to do this technical study because yeah. the market doesn't care uh, we're not going to do this because that's just a waste of money and so people are getting very specific about what catalysts they'll deliver and how they'll deliver them uh, in a very strategic uh, form because they don't want to go to the market give them something that they just create a liquidity market uh, event yeah. and just have their share price go what do you expect to happen over the next three to six months as well? Like, let, let's leave out the Fed and the U.S. dollar, obviously, hanging over everything. But, but what do you happen, expect to happen in junior world, like in our, in our world? Do, we, do you see expect a trend change? Do you see the juniors behaving very differently? Because you said, like, well, they're even hesitant to put up catalysts, meaning news. Yeah. Because they're not getting any love for them. Well, I don't see the sentiment changing that quickly, especially since the Fed is saying that, um, you know, the interest rate target, you know, what you're saying, a four plus percent, but also that that might stay longer. It might not be a six month, 12 month thing. It might because uh, if inflation stays persistent, this could be a multi-year thing. So if it's a multi-year thing and real rates keep going up or stay up, then the goal sentiment you know, will will continue to be negative, and if anything, it might just the positive might be it just stays flat, yeah. but it'll never probably reverse to saying very optimistic for a while, uh, like a while meaning yeah. more than twelve months. This is making it tough for me. I feel like closing my laptop, and just leaving, yeah. and come back in two years. Well, I mean, right? You know, like we, there's a very few stories, like a Snowline Gold that went up, but even a reunion predictive, they all came back. Yeah, right? which like, which is great for me because I I don't right. own them yet, <laughs> so I'm just right. holding on uh, and waiting for my moment. And this is a great time to do these conferences like yours and and just sort of see which companies are out there and then pick the prime of the prime. 
you don't have to pick you know the, the the greasy stuff on the side you could pick the prime beef and you might get it at the price yeah. you want uh, uh, so th that's uh, that's the thing and then it, but the problem is you'll never pick the ultimate bottom no. so if you're gonna oh hey you know you know it, but just with the knowledge that if you buy it now that it could be cheaper in six weeks but knowing that this is a project that you like you like the people and uh, you know it's 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 a decent M&A target What's your investment horizon right now? If you, if you were to buy, let's say, your reunion. Yeah. Okay, just for lack of a better example. Let's say your reunion. Is that a six-month trade, 12 months, 24? Like, what's your investment thesis for? If everything thesis happens for? there, like, I haven't bought it yet, but my investment thesis there for that one in specific would be sort of like, a, you know, an 18-month okay. target. But other ones that I have in, let's say, uh, uh, like Liberty, I, I, I might hold it longer because I, I like the people. I know what they're trying to do and a big resource there in that part of um, Idaho that they've got water. Um, that's the other thing that you got to <laughs> layer on to this because yeah. if you don't have water, you don't have anything, especially now with the drought conditions. But, you know, I don't think mining is on the upper rung with respect to competing for potable water in, in the U.S. or anywhere, really. No, not really, unless you're in a very specific basin. I yeah, think. yeah, you have to be in so. a place that, that there's no access by anybody else. And that's also what's happening in Chile, no. you know, that, uh, you know, uh, they're trying to uh, get uh, Albemarle, um, I think it's, uh, and a couple of copper companies to basically say that, hey, you took too much water out of this aquifer, you know. Uh, so uh, <laughs> water is another issue that uh, in M&A, if you don't have that tied up, it'll, it's going to be harder. No, I think it's gonna. It was a big factor in actually Anglo buying Corvus. That's just my opinion. Yeah, was no, the I, water rights there? I, I think you're up. Well, it's not only the water rights, but it's all the property because they did have that stuff around no. before. And, and I think now that they've, uh, from what I heard, that now they've bought the land from Core mm -hmm. to the further south, which takes a lot of that ground out, which was a transaction that was going to happen. So now Anglo's consolidated all of it. So that's where you have. And uh, a major company with a grassroots exploration that made a major discovery, and now they've got over th from three to four million ounces. But the prognostication for that one is that that's going to be a five to ten million ounce thing that uh, a major is basically sitting on. And so, with respect to my royalty exposure, mm -hmm. that's why I, uh, Origin is Origin, right? Yeah. Owns uh, the silicon royalty, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Now, the reason I was asking you for investment horizon because the quote came to mind: like the markets can stay rational longer than you can stay solvent. Yeah. Right. That's oh, my solvencies. Yeah. That's right. So, like, <laughs> like, I love to see all these bargains, but you know, cash and selling and liquidating some of the stocks yeah. I owned, like it, that's it, the it, biggest, it's painful. That's the biggest thing is that uh, some people aren't debating what they're going to buy they're debating what they're going to sell so for that's me when i sell it's like a company did something that's uh, that goes against uh, what i'd like them to do with respect to a management like how they financed a project or a move that they did that i didn't like so it, like um trilogy i've got no problem with the management team got no problem with the asset don't have no problem with the uh, partnerships but the permitting of that project uh, you know and the retraction of the the road access permit uh, makes me think that's going to be a too long of a horizon for me. So I, I sold that one, but not because of the management yeah. or anything like that. Uh, I just put out an update this morning, I think, yeah. on, on that road with the BLM and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't Let's see... Let's not get into that. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> see, uh, under this current administration, a big change right now. They're going to slow walk that. Yeah. The other one I would say is like uh, with Bluestone, uh, you know, I own that one. Again, great management team, uh, access to financing with the Lundin family, everything like that, good. But Guatemala just, 
you know, the, whenever you get a project that's closer <laughs> to doing something, the NGOs come out of the woodwork <laughs> and they slow the project down again. So, uh, you know, so, so jurisdiction and where you are specifically within that, that country, the, the permittability, the development um, ability of that project is really important. Yeah. Now, we, I think we should bring Nikki on next time as well because she gave presentations on how to sell mining stocks. And I think I need another lesson because I'm <laughs> terrible at it. But I don't want to sell anything right now to, to liquidate maybe and buy something like, like a reunion, like something where I see value even in the future. Yeah. But I don't want to sell any of my dogs because they're so cheap. And I think it's like, I can't sell at this level. Yeah. The only reason I help, would help sell. Me. Help yeah, me. <laughs> the only reason I would sell is because a company basically ticks me off. Yeah. And I don't like what they're going to do. And I think that they might do something stupid again. And so that would be the one I would sell, yeah. you know, and that's the ones I've been selling. I, and it might not be their stupidity. It might be stupidity of the, the government, like with Trilogy. Yeah. It might be the problems uh, uh, being in Guatemala, like, like Bluestone, which had nothing to do with management. So, but other ones, yeah, it is management that makes me want to sell. Yeah. Let, let's stay on the theme of selling. It's not the best theme, but we got to stick on it because yeah. tax loss is coming up, yeah. tax loss season. Um, like, I'm, I'm jokingly saying, well, there's nothing left to sell, really. Like, who, who's going to be a seller in this market, right? Like, do we are we going to experience a massive tax loss season, or like, how bad is it going to be? Like, is there any? <laughs> well, you know, there's still, you know, because some people think that you have to do it right at the end of the year, which you don't. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there might be some uh, some pent up. Be but the thing is that that's the uh, sort of uh, uh, companies don't want to put up that flag to take advantage of when they put out a catalyst. So, uh, you know, in terms of somebody coming out with a deliverable before the end of the year, they're probably more reticent to do that, yeah. uh, to get into because they need liquidity. So if you want to sell, you might be selling for, I don't know, 90 days, you know, slowly, slowly. And each time you sell, you're going to sell at a lower price, you know. So you wait for that liquidity moment when they put out a new resource or they put out a new study and then you sell. And that's the problem that people are seeing in companies. They're, all their catalysts are being met by negative, you know, downward pressure. Yeah, come December 1st, I don't think we'll see any press releases. It's well, sort of I, like I think, summer, like just I think going up to Labor that, Day, right? I think, yeah. I think they might stop before that and or delay or, or say, yeah. hey, you know what? Why, why bother doing a scoping study? Or that, yeah. yeah. And, and that's what I've heard a lot of companies saying. Just, just, to, they, just you know, skipping it completely? Just skipping it completely and going into a PFS or a feasibility study and doing that later. But yeah. right now, you know, because the retail market's only interested in, in the resources and the yeah. suitors, the potential suitors can run their own numbers. Exactly. They don't need a dream sheet. They don't need a dream. Yeah, they don't need a scoping study that they don't believe. Exactly. Because they're going to do it differently anyway when they take over. That's exactly. usually but the thing. The other thing is that we got to recognize is the potential suitors are using different gold prices than, than the companies. And so that 200 300 and sometimes $400 difference in the gold price is what they're going to run their numbers on. Oh, so that's another interesting topic for discussion. Like, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll squeeze that one in. It's like com companies using different gold prices. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, uh, Newmont. Right, right now, it's like it's varying. Like people are using $1,700 gold in some of their studies. Yeah. Well, I mean, for a resource, it's okay to use that. But for your economics, it's harder to justify. Uh, because, I mean, uh, still Barrick and Newmont and some other majors are still using 1200 to 1250 for their gold prices. And so mm -hmm. if they're looking at an acquisition and bringing it in, 1500 might work for the resource which you give them, like you're inferred or you're indicated. But if they start working out block models on that and they want to convert it to a reserve, then it's going to be 1200 1250 Does it still work? Yep. You know, so. And there's also, I think, a motivation now as people are trying to go, you know how we go from 
underground to open pit, like in Northern Ontario, a bunch of little underground deposits, and now you go to open pit. Now in Mexico, because there is this fear that the Mexican government under um, the, the current president is, is slow walking open pits. They haven't banned them, but they sort of slow walking any permits. So such, uh, you know, people are thinking, hey, I'll just do it underground. And so to lower the footprint in this current, you know, ESG aware environment is, is another move that people, and, and not everybody can do it. If you've got a low grade disseminated deposit, you're not going to convert it to an underground. But if you've got, you know, a high grade sort of uh, core, then, you know, there's that option. A lot of different aspects going into it. Like yeah. it's, it's interesting. It's not an easy market anymore. <laughs> it's, it's very difficult. As I said, it's a stock picker market. So you really got to know what you're looking for. Yeah, the thing is that in terms of your horizon, you know, uh, you might not get that retail boost and saying, you, you know, you're sitting back saying, oh, that project will be hard to develop and stuff like that, you know, but retail will still push it up. No. Now uh, there's not retail pushing it up as much. There's not as much retail buying of every little play that comes out with an intersection. Yeah. Are you going to come up with a buy recommendation in the next newsletter coming out of Beaver Creek? Uh, um, I'm, I'm trying to push your newsletter a little bit here. So yeah, people will flock to expressioninsights.com and go I, sign up, if right? If I put my buys out here <laughs> in public. No, I'm not saying that. No, no, I don't want you to put the name in here, but I'm just asking if there's oh, absolutely. a, will absolutely. there be a buy recommendation I've got, coming I've got out of the conference? three companies that, uh, but it's all timing mm-hmm. in terms of, hey, you know, uh, when does the last private placement come free trading? You know, because there's not a lot of liquidity in the market. No. And what I've found is I've bought and they've only gone down. But I've got I've got a longer term investment horizon on most of the ones I've been yeah. buying. So I'm not that worried because I like the project, just, I like the people. It just doesn't look good though. <laughs> it, it just doesn't look good. No, it's, it's not, it's not, yeah, it doesn't look good, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, the problem with any portfolio, anybody that's handling this is that what do you sell you know, because the whole idea is to sell the winnings and take those and what, reinvest what winning, them. Right? But what, what winnings? Yeah, what, what, what <laughs> it's winnings. tough. There's only a few names that come to mind that actually performed well. Yeah, like, yeah. Not many. Probably five, maybe. That yeah, I mind. mean, uh, Snowline's done very well. Uh, Western Alaska Minerals has done very well. Yeah. Uh, and there's probably a few more that uh, off the top of my head. But the thing is that, you know, some of these companies are getting funded, but they're getting funded by different Sources, private yeah. equity, royalty companies, like Royal uh, West Haven did mm-hmm. a royalty oh, deal with Franco, Franco one, Nevada, yeah. uh, which I think in this current market was a big uh, positive uh, for them. And they also sold their royalty on Talisker, uh, Talisker's ground. So I think uh, given where they're trading, uh, that, that, that was a great yeah. move. And I think that's what the royalty companies see. Because until March, they couldn't buy a royalty because they were also very, mm-hmm. I mean, they could, but they'd be paying a lot of money. Now the royalty, you know, to get a royalty is sometimes for the precious metal guy the only thing they have that might be, uh, you know, nominally accretive. Remind me to give the shovel nose royalty wasn't part of that. Shovel nose was excluded from it, was it? I think it was for the whole property. The, whole the property? way I read it, it okay. was for. Okay. Because then I'm wondering if six million dollars was a, a dirt cheap deal for no, Franco. No, they but they 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 got that and then they did another deal. I think it was seven hundred fifty thousand dollars on the on the Talisker ground gotcha. because because uh, 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 Spencer's Bridge up there, right? Like, yeah. So their thing was on Spencer's Bridges, the whole the whole property. Uh, gotcha. So, but they didn't have the uh, they, they also retained a, a royalty on the Talisker ground. So no, they sold that too. No, fantastic creative financing solution yeah. to come out of that hole which and keep is, delivering value, hopefully. Which is what you need right now in this current market. The management team is uh, as important as it is for them to be technical, but also to be financially aware of the options that, in terms of dilution. 
Absolutely. And you don't want to raise money at this point. Anyways, like in, in the case of West Haven, that would have been so delusional. Yeah, and, 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 but it, and it was for Marathon. But Marathon had no choice because they'd already raised the debt. They had permitted. And so what are you going to do? Sit on your hands. And so I, I you know, I had this argument, not argument, we have this discussion with Paul Harris on, on, on our podcast that, you know, in this environment, you know, where gold's going and where you're at and dilutive financing, just sit on your hands. Don't be, build anything. And that's hard for a junior to do because they have nothing else. No. You know, they could say, okay, I've just shut off all my news flow. I'm going to, you know, fire myself and I'm just going to yeah. sit on this project, which a private equity firm would yeah. do. And, but also Newmont is doing. So they're basically saying, okay, this is not the time to build. So we're just going to slow down our growth yeah. because what's the point in accelerating growth into this environment and paying 30 to 40% more on capital? Yeah. So, uh, when I talked to G Mining, one thing I got out of it, and, and these guys are builders and they know what they're doing, they basically told me, uh, you know, uh, that there was a feasibility study done on the TZ project, the Open Pit Gold project in the Tapajos in Western Brazil, and then they said they did their own numbers, which they'll be coming up with. But you know, scope to scope, meaning everything's sort of the same, thirty percent increase. <laughs> so anything over that something else is happening potentially and then when you see marathon with its 55 to 60 percent increase something else happened and it wasn't just just uh, inflation just inflation but granted like in in canada and the u.s and australia labor rates are are the other issue that they have to deal with because there's just not the availability of labor i spoke to one ceo and he said well um contractors were like giving him 24-hour deadlines on taking out taking the proposal or not like this is only valid for 24 hours and then we have to change prices again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, how do you, how do you work on, with that? But I've also heard the other <laughs> thing is that some of these people are trying to the trick the developers and say, hey, if you don't give me a number now, I, you know, I'll sell it. But uh, two weeks later, the number hasn't changed. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So it's, it's uh, tricky. It's tricky because of the supply chain stuff. That's uh, definitely the issue. Absolutely. Yeah. So let, let's summarize the conversation a little bit. Like challenging fall, tax sales selling might be looming, news flow is going to slow down again. And then... Let's pray for January. <laughs> yeah, praying is really not a great strategy. But the thing is that if I think you, whatever portfolio you have, whatever companies you hold, you'll have to think that is this company can can it work at a lower gold price? And uh, are, are are these are these managers that you know are running this company financially astute enough to know when to slow down the news flow, protect their working capital in this environment, and then uh, make a, as as accretive uh, financing deals as they can, you know, either with private equity, uh, royalty companies, or something like that, uh, to keep the ball rolling in this environment to advance uh, the project, knowing that probably retail isn't there. Oh, that's that's the tricky part, finding that balance. But you need news flow to sort of keep people interested. It's a two-edged sword. Like yeah. it's so tough. Whatever you do, other, you do, it's wrong anyway. The so. other thing is that institutional equity who own two or three different companies and say, well, I like that management team. This sort of management team is screwed up a bit. <laughs> so why don't we just have a why don't we just consolidate them all, yeah. cut the GNA, just use their capital and their capital to focus on this guy's project, and then we'll just hold those as options. So that's another thing people are, are moving to. You know, the, the big idea that, you know, we've had a lot of IPOs and new companies come out as gold was going to 2000. Now we're sort of retracting again yeah. to say, hey, maybe we need to drop the GNA or from these zombie companies that just turned into zombies in April. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> March 16th, first Fed rate hike. That was the end of that. Yeah, yeah. So and that's really curious to see if that there's a follow-through because there are not enough investors out there that have control 
like that that could demand that and what we got to realize like when we talk about the gold price and everything like that I and mean, part of it is the u.s dollar strength but if we look at other currencies the gold price is actually up yeah. so you we might not have precious metal equity investors retail investors in the u.s and maybe canada but we might still have them in europe and uh, other places that still want that kind of exposure and uh, you know people might go into different places i know there's a lot of money in the middle east that's taking the oil and gas revenue and and going into mining and some of it is precious metals, so that's another funding source uh, if you're in that um, um, area. So sovereign wealth funds as well as might be another source of financing. So there is money out there, but you've got to be uh, just uh, you know know where you can access it. It comes back to the smart management teams, right? Trying to find those pockets. Exactly, and and just having somebody that just knows one thing uh, and uh, gets swayed to raise money with uh, let's say a two-year mm -hmm. warrant at a fifteen percent uh, premium, a full warrant, then you know, oh my God, you know, I'm struggling, struggling, struggling. Yes. Brutal. Joe, thank you so much for coming. I think it was a fantastic conversation. Absolutely loved it. Okay. Really appreciate your time. And uh, expirationinsights.com, obviously, is where we find more. Yeah, I'm glad you're plugging it because I always forget. <laughs> <laughs> Have to. Come on. You're doing me a favor. Might as well do you one. Thank you so much. Everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in. I absolutely enjoyed the conversation here with Joe. Make sure to follow him. Go to explorationinsights.com. Follow us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter. I know over 80% of you watching don't, don't subscribe or not subscribe to the channel. So let's change that. Do me that favor and uh, leave a comment. What do you think is going to happen? When do you see and how do you see light at the end of the tunnel? And uh, what, kind of sh what shade of gray is the light at the end of the tunnel? Really curious to hear. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with lots more very, very soon. Thank you so much.